And we're back. Thanks for tuning in again and listening to the Coruscant Nights podcast. My name is Cooper, and alongside me, as always, is Mark. Hello there. And Jack. This is the way. Mark has finally decided to join us again after a couple weeks of absence. Good to be back. But we are glad he's here as we are going to talk about The Mandalorian Season 3, Episode 5, titled The Pirate. It was directed by first-time director in The Mandalorian franchise, Peter Ramsey, and ran for 43 minutes. I like the trend that um, we're getting more uh, new directors in the Mandalorian franchise. It's pretty cool. I think that's three weeks in a row. Oh, no, we had Carl Weathers that last week. That's right. Um, so, we'll hop straight in. Mark, what were your general thoughts on the episode? I thought the episode was really enjoyable, uh, as I have said in my review on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it was really good in the fact that it actually advanced the plot quite a bit as yes. opposed to all the previous episodes. So for that, I'm very thankful. And as Jack, I'm sure, will mention, the very end of this episode is really what made it. Mm. Yeah, I can agree with you a bit on that one, Mark. I, I didn't really enjoy the pirates as much, but I did enjoy seeing some good action and good set set pieces and everything. But yeah, the end really made the whole episode for me, which was only like, what, like two minutes? So mm. yeah. it's interesting. I'll just chip in. I think this was probably one of the better episodes of the season. I think that in terms of story progression and action, it was just top-notch. Yeah, very good action. Uh, probably not as much character development. I think the most character development we saw was actually from Paz Vizsla, yeah, who yeah. kind of took Mando's side for once. But, I was uh, not expecting that. Yeah, no. It was, it was cool to see. I mean, they've always kind of been enemies. They fought mm-hmm. over the Darksaber. And Carson Tabor, actually. He has some good character development. Oh, he yeah, that's true. That's true. Screen yeah, he's kind of just been a one episode character but mm. I feel like he could um, be showing he's got up the, he's got the knowledge he, he's the insider person who is gonna breach you know the kind of growing threat of the yeah. first order which probably means he's gonna die eventually probably. for a second in that scene where they were talking which we'll get to later I actually for a second thought well, maybe he will challenge Mando for the Darksaber again <laughs> <laughs> well you know that that might happen but I think it's more likely to be back to oh, I don't think it'll happen anymore mm. All right, just before we begin the uh, breakdown, reminder, we do have social media on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok, all under Coruscant Nights. And we also do have Patreon. If you want to go check out more of what we do, um, go to Patreon, or the link is in our Instagram bio. Uh, It's really cheap, so if you want to just go check it out, that'd be greatly appreciated. And as always, thank you to Ben and Nikita for their continued support. Okay, so how do we want to start? Do we want to go through it? Chronologically, do we want to kind of chip in as we go, or uh, yeah, we'll do chronologically. Yeah, it's a I think interesting this story. is an episode unlike the last two where it was pretty straightforward plot. This is one we can kind of dissect a bit more because there was quite a bit that happened. So, the first kind of five minutes introduces us back to Navarro um, and the pirate ship. The pirates are back. The ones from episode one uh, with what's his name again? The the pirate guy, Gorian Shard. Yeah, Gorian Shard. That's right. The mossy looking character. He's back and he starts bombing Navarro because um, because it's not a, a pirate haven or a bounty hunter haven anymore. It's turned into an actual community. So the shot right before the intro is all of the citizens of Navarro kind of running away because the whole town's getting bombed. And that was a really cool shot of um, the, the blaster um, cannons firing down on the city. That was yeah. really cool. I also enjoyed how... Um, what's his name... Carl Weathers' character? Oh, um... Uh, Grief Karga. Grief Karga was... Before he answered the call from Gorin Shard, he, like, positioned himself 
with his arms on his hips trying to make himself look and a intimidating bit him, more yeah. intimidating even though in that entire dialogue conversation he was just overpowered by even the size of that hologram which looked really cool I thought so yeah I don't think we've seen a hologram that big I kind of recall Admiral Trench in the Clone Wars having a big hologram but oh, actually the Emperor sorry the Emperor in episode 5 yeah okay Grievous I mean he's kind of a big character Gorian Shard uh, it was pretty cool as well seeing the pirate ship like hanging over the city. Mm. It, I, it was surprisingly agile for such a big ship. It moved quite easily. It's more it's thin than quite maneuverable. Yeah, it was more narrow. I yeah. thought it was an interestingly designed ship. Yeah, in all honesty, uh, grief cargo also drops the line. He shot first. A nice callback to a new hope with uh, Han Solo and Greedo. So then we get the pirate, uh, the the introduction theme, the Mandalorian title card. And what I really loved is that uh, it kind of crosses over like Pirate. a swash, swashbuckler vibe. Play the clip. I thought that was a nice little touch to add, and they do that every single week with the with the title cards. But it it kind of had a very much pirate theme, which was really cool to see. We'll get into what the pirate, like the title, actually means towards the end. But for the moment, um, we cut to a New Republic camp on an unknown planet, and we meet with Captain Carson Tava, who is uh, we've seen him in the series before. He's a New Republic pilot, and he I think the last time we saw him was in season two when he went to visit Man or find Mando on the um, ice planet. Yeah, with the spiders. Yeah, was. Was he part of... No, that was the other directors who got the cameras when they bombed the prison yeah, ship. Yeah, that was... Prison I think place. it was John and Dave. John, Dave and Deborah. Oh, Chow, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was Rick... It was Rick Famuyiwa. It was him and Dave and... It wasn't... It wasn't... It wasn't John. Well... Yeah, pretty sure... No, not, not John. Not oh, John. It was, it was Dave John. and Rick and Deborah. It was uh, pretty Deborah. sure it was Deborah Chow. And also, Deborah. they also um, cameoed again... They did. ...in the bar scene, which we'll talk about in a sec, yeah. which had John's infamous... I mean, no, Dave's infamous uh, cowboy hat. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think I noticed that. Yeah, they were kind of off to the mm. side. Well, I mean, so we'll get to that shot. He's... Uh, Captain Tavis sitting down, and he receives a message from Grief saying, yeah, you got to come help me. Um, I, You said that... If you I ever needed help, you would help me. Yeah. And so, because... We'll get into what he does a bit later. But a very familiar character this was walks cool up cameo. and sit next to sit next to um, uh, Tava. And it is Zeb from Star Wars Rebels. Mm. And I thought that was such a cool little cameo. And what's even cooler is that Steve Blum, who voiced him in Rebels, did the motion capture for him and voiced him again in this scene. What I'm really happy about seeing Zeb, one, first of, first of all, I actually wasn't sure if it was him or not. Yeah, like, I kind of thought it was same, a species, yeah. but, then it, but then for me that cemented it was the final, like, um, uh, you uh, when he goes, oh, good luck, you're going to need it. It really, really sounded, sounded like, like Rebels. <laughs> and also, um, I'm really happy that they went with the CGI route over <laughs> practical, because yep. if it was yeah. practical, I don't think it's like Chewie where you can kind of have all that random yes. place fur with like blue skin it's just like, it would be very weird looking in my opinion yeah. so the CGI was actually really good for it which I think Star Wars shows apart from the end of season 2 Mando have actually done better CGI over than uh, it, what they do in Marvel in my opinion yeah. 
It was also surprising seeing him like working for the New Republic. Yeah, I thought that was really strange. Since he went off to his planet at the end of Rebels. Yeah, but I think it could be more of like a he's probably doing an insider thing, like because he's also still part of the Rebellion crew, yeah. and Ghost Ghost Crew. He's probably yeah. just doing a side thing, and then you know. Well, I think I'd more agree with Mark because I feel like this could spell it's either a really bad thing for Lyra's son, which is the Lasat home planet. Um, maybe that it's been taken over and that the the restoration of the species didn't really work. Because the last we saw of Zeb, he was going to Lyra's son with Callus. I was going to say, where's or, his boyfriend, Callus? <laughs> or maybe Callus is kind of the leading Lyra's son and Zeb's uh, off about to help uh, Ahsoka and Sabine and Hera in the uh, Ahsoka series. Mm. So I'm not 100% sure what to make of that. It could be really good or really bad for, for the Lasat home planet. There are some other things in this scene. There are we finally see Y wings back in Star Wars, which I think yeah, was really that cool. Was really, uh, they looked a bit. Ships. They looked a bit yeah. like scrapped. They didn't look restored. You know why? Because they actually gave us a hint at that in the really long episode with with um who what was it called again? Eli Kane. Eli Kane and Doctor Pershing, Pershing yeah. when they said they were decommissioning yeah. even the oh, Rebel, that's right. the Rebel yeah. Alliance fleet. So which means there's barely yeah. any of them around. And also, I think we did see an A wing leaving the camp. When the Y wing was coming in, I think it was an A wing coming out. But yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, they're probably just like you said, replacing. They probably go from the inner core out, yeah. replacing the military hardware. So they're probably left with all the scrappy plane uh, ships. Just cutting quickly to a point towards the end of the episode. Um, there's a ship that we know is an Imperial shuttle, and they call it a New Republic shuttle transport shuttle. Hmm. Right at the end, so I I think that's interesting that they're kind of. Reusing ships, but they're trying to get rid of all the. But that's yeah, why they might be like the very end. Yeah, yeah, they called it a New Republic, but I Didn't think they said yeah, they New did. Republic transport. I thought they said a Lambda class shuttle, which is what it was. No, they, no, call, no. they definitely called it a New Republic ship. Yeah, I think the transport ship they said because obviously they figured oh. out who was on the. Yeah, transport. I was sure I heard Lambda. I must have mm. just misheard. Yeah. Now there was another line that I want to mention quickly in this camp. I can't remember if it was um, Taver who said it, or maybe it was the bartender. Or maybe it was Zeb, but they said the New Republic can't protect the mid rim. Oh no, I know who it was. It was um, Gorin Shard. That was way the... back, yeah. Was it? Wait, it was actually, in was the it it was in the holo- hologram. Yeah. Yeah, he said the New Republic can't protect the mid rim from the pirate nation, mm-hmm. and I just think this speaks numbers, not necessarily to the pirate about the pirates, but more to the New Republic. I think back to that episode in season two with um, uh, Mayfeld and the the heist they're doing on that. Uh, imperial base and they have that run in with that for uh, the imperial captain or the general and he says the first order is in complete disarray i think new republic not yeah, sorry new yeah republic. the the new republic is in complete disarray my bad i think that that speaks numbers and wonders about this line right here that the new republic can't protect the midroom we've seen it on coruscant they're so nitpicky about little things but they can't see the big picture they can't. They're not. They're focusing more on the win at Endor and Jakku over trying to secure the future. It's just. I think from what we're learning from the Mandalorian, and probably what we'll learn from future episodes and um, future seasons, is that the New Republic really is not a very good authority. Yeah, but also that was like the. Um, I'm not gonna say old Republic because that's old Republic, but like the Republic in the prequels because they literally didn't see the Chancellor. As That's the, true. Uh, who was in power for <laughs> way past his time and everyone was suspicious of him but still let that kind of Sith threat grow underneath them yeah. and that was in 
not the height of the Jedi because that's a high republic, but like in when Jedi was still kind of in control with the the Senate and everything. So it's mm. interesting. Yeah. We journey back to Coruscant with Captain Tavar, and he meets with I can't remember the character's name, but played by the wonderful Tim Meadows, who's in a bunch of stuff that we actually like, especially Grown Ups. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's in Grown Ups. So funny in that. Yeah, and he's also in a show that we all liked called Brooklyn Nine Nine. Played uh, an inmate called Caleb, which he was very funny. But it's good to see him in Star Wars. Good to see so him kind mistaken, of bouncing around. Did they say his rank was a colonel? He might have. They might have. Um, it makes uh, it funnier though, because in terms of his rank, w- whatever he's doing in the New Republic, it's kind of like because his characters that he plays in a lot of stuff is like the comedic kind of character, yeah. which just shows that maybe it's like a play with his character Possibly. in terms of Possibly. he can't see. The growing threat, and they're just so blindsided by everything. You know, he just doesn't take it. He's probably not good at his yeah, job. You know what I mean? He's got a desk job on Coruscant. <laughs> like he's not much of an army officer. Yeah. If that's the case. We also get a uh, not cameo, but uh, I guess we get some scenes with Elia Kane again. The oh, this this she annoyed me in the scene. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's so she's, annoying. I feel like it's almost obvious at this point that yeah. she's still for uh, still Imperial, Especially and the fact that. So many people, so many people in the New Republic aren't seeing it. Ah, uh, I just—they're very trustworthy of former Imperials. <laughs> they are, but isn't it stupid that they trust Imperials, but they're not gonna go protect um, Navarro? Yeah, literally. or like other worlds that are in danger. It's just—but it's so stupid. Tavis said it perfectly. He goes, "You went, um, you know, you didn't see the light. You you were captured." Yeah. yeah. And then she goes, "Liberated." Liberated. But yeah. that, but that's like, mate, that's clearly her being a snarky. Yeah. That's showing that she is still imperial. You know what I mean? Exactly. She didn't go, "Oh no," but actually, it made me realize all. The-. She was just being snarky about it. You can, yeah. And even her opinion about, oh, once Navarra is destroyed or whatever or taken over, maybe then they'll realize they'll that they need us. It's like that is so imperial. Yeah, man. He even said, yeah, he even said it himself. Like, that sounds like an awfully imperial opinion. Yeah. <laughs> just. Yeah, I, I don't know what to make of her future in this, but I feel like definitely this was indication that she's going to be uh, probably reuniting with Moff Gideon in the, in the near future. If I may make a point quickly um, about Captain... Taver. 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 Taver, sorry. Carson, <laughs> um, just call him Carson. He, how he goes all the way to Coruscant from the Outer Rim... <laughs> And then he goes all the way back, and then he gets Mando, which obviously we'll get to later. But I'm wondering, how does this all fit in the span of one day um, of Navarro? Because he travels there, he still has this really long meeting, then he travels all the way back to where the Mandalorians are, he has a chat with them. Not a very long chat, but all this, especially the travelling between, I would say, what's either the middle outer rim and the core, it will take a lot of time, and it seems like it should take longer than one day. Well, then again, it is Star Wars and timelines and Star Wars and time jumps and everything is very different. Even when they said Grogu was training for him for two oh, years, it not did, not, did not feel like it was two years. Well, but that's what I'm saying, though. It's, go fiction. it's fictional. I know, you just got to accept it. That's what I'm saying. You've what I'm saying it. is it's, yeah. you know, it's a bit inconsistent. Nah, you got to get the story going. I don't want to watch him travel for like two hours in, a t- <laughs> in through hyperspeed. Just get a movie. Hyperspace. Just get a movie of Carson Tamer in hyperspace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd watch. We move... No, actually, we don't move. We're still on. We're still on Coruscant. Carson Tava makes. He's kind of describing himself. I, I'm pretty sure it was to the Tim Meadows character. He says that he's an Adelphi Ranger. I am a million percent sure that this is a hint or an indication to the. I'm pretty sure it's cancelled show uh, Rangers of the New Republic. I don't know why they would include Ranger in the in the title. 
why wouldn't they just call him a pilot? Uh, so either it's an indication that we might still be getting the show and not going to be focusing on Cara Dune, but I might be focusing on Teva, or it's just a kind of callback to the show that was cancelled. I just thought that was an interesting note. Carson Teva then leaves Coruscant and heads to the Mandalorian hideout. We don't know the planet name still, but it doesn't look like we're going back there anytime soon because uh, Teva shows up and it's kind of noted already that they're going to have to relocate because their location's been compromised. It's nice to see that Mando is kind of siding with Paz Vizsla and telling him to get out of there, um, basically trying to keep the cult alive, I guess you could say. Um, but Teva relays the information that Grief is in trouble. Mando's kind of like, oh, we have to help. And then there's this uh, scene where both Paz and Mando, Mando are kind of appealing to the other Mandalorians, trying to get them to go stop the pirate takeover of Navarro. Um, and then Paz Vizsla, he turns his speech about why do we have to fight and die for these people who would never do the same for us into a into a speech that kind of rallies them all, saying, because we are Mandalorian. Basically, that's what they're about. This, that's what we do. This is what I was saying before. It sounded like he was going against Mando, like, for the start of that speech. And then when, he's, you, when you realise he's actually helping him, like, oh, okay. Well, you know why? Because if he started out by going on Mando's side, he wouldn't have got the um, listening ears, you could say, yeah. of the people who were already against... You know what I mean? Because they, they would have listened to... Paz get like have a go at Mando but then mm. when he changed it up they're like oh damn maybe he actually yeah, is right exactly, you know? exactly. Uh, they then start to strategize Bo's got this really cool speech where she's kind of laying everything out she shows everyone what the ship is or her ship is and we learn I didn't realize it was a drop ship but uh, I guess we found that out and there's this really cool like 10 second sequence of the ships going into hyperspace and then leaving hyperspace it's just so magnificent and I wish I could, like, put it on the podcast, but obviously it's we can't do that because it's not a video thing, but I just, I really love that. We then get the big fight of Navarro. Finally, we get some, like, large-scale action set pieces. We've got two, we got two kind of things we're focusing on. We're focusing on the space battle and then the ground battle. It's aerial battle. Yeah, the aerial battle. So Mando and Bo are flying their ships uh, to try and take out the, the big pirate ship and then Paz and the armor are kind of leading the ground assault was it the Corvus the Corvus was the that ship. the big ship yeah I think that that name does ring a bell I so, found sorry Cooper I found the um, the ground battle really fun and exciting to watch like mm-hmm. there's even a bit of tactics in there yeah. good action it's not like they're just shooting at each other like it is in a lot of the Star Wars shows have been it's more like okay they're strategizing they're being tactical like are we, they're going behind yeah. cover and everything. I really liked the use of the grapple hooks a lot yeah. in, in the yeah. fight. It was really useful. I think it was just cool seeing Mandalorians fighting. We haven't really exactly. seen the Mandalorians fight like that since Season 7 Clone of the Wars. Clone Wars yeah. and the Battle of Mandalore. Mm. Um, also, I just want to make a comment. I feel like the armor gets the best fight scenes. It was very the brutal. Best, the, bu- the most... Oh, what am I trying to say? The, the most brutal, the most... You probably need to be more brutal. Gruesome. Like hit in the in the head with, with like a Beskar, a Beskar oh hammer God. thing. You would have a piece of your head missing. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. Out. 
That's why I guess you can do more when it's like stormtroopers or the plasticine. I guess you can have it fly off and yeah. But of still, it's, she gets she had that with the with the stormtroopers in season one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then even fighting against Mando in um, um, Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. So I just oh, she's she's so cool. Mm. I okay. I'm gonna pose this question now. I was gonna wait till the end of the episode. She's evil. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna ask if she's evil. Do you reckon she's gonna remove her helmet by the end of the season? Mm, no. I actually was thinking she might do it in that episode. Same. Do no. you think it compromises her character development if she does that? She won't. She won't or is that character I development in itself? Well, the thing is, I don't think so, but they need to add more plot development to explain why. Because we know oh, we're talking about Bo being between two worlds or whatever. It's she won't be between two worlds. She won't be, but if they expand on what's happening, it might make sense if she does it. Whereas also, if she does it now without us knowing why, then it seems like it ruins all that character development. Also, but visually speaking, when they had that conversation, man, uh, uh, Armour and Bo, Bo was lit up by the, the only singular light source underground when she was in the dark, which I'm still thinking, like, is the armor actually got some deeper, what's it called? Intentions. Um, intentions or something that mm. she's doing when she when um, Bo brings some Mandalorians back kind yeah. of thing because I feel like oh. I feel because I feel like the armor is still someone we don't we know very little yeah, about exactly. and, she just says the same things every episode and she ignored she ch- chose to deliberately ignore Bo's first initial saying that she saw it mm. but then brought it up later now probably because she has a plan or something to maybe get all those people get more uh, Mandalorians on, on her watch side is and then go take over and get that what's it called changed the mythosaur. her tune so quickly mm. so the battle kind of concludes after a bit of a skirmish the the citizens of Navarro who kind of fled kind of help uh, corner and uh, capture the retreating pirates while the Mandalorians are taking them down the other side and then in space Bo and Mando are able to take out all the, the ships and then the a uh, big capital ship as well, which goes crashing down into the the planet's surface in a blaze of gl- uh, blaze of glory. As Gorian Shard does a very villainous scream. With, with those captured pirates you mentioned, I wonder what's going to happen to them because they've shown mercy on these pirates about three times, yeah. and they've come back and they've shot at them, they've blown the city up. Gorian's dead though now. Well, yeah, but still, like what? Are they going to imprison them, kill well, them, and they let them go? Well, you know, I, we probably won't find out. But they'll be probably be dealt with by the New Republic, and we know what happens when the New Republic deals with prisoners. I don't know, because the New Republic didn't want any involvement with it. So. I don't feel like Navarro's kind of, in the, in the state it is, it's not really a, in, in the right mindset to have a prison. I feel like yeah, exactly. it's community... That's why I'm saying yeah. they've kind of they got would, two they options. Would just let, let, him, him let him go They'll or, just let him or execute them. They'll let him free. Well, that annoying Vane character still... He's, he escaped and he's still out there. So he's gone to Hondo. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Hey, there's another character that could appear in Ahsoka. Mm. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Bo goes and chats with the armorer, like Jack was saying before, and basically tells Bo to remove her helmet. She does, and then... Sends her on a mission to go when, collect more Mandalorians. When that happened, did anyone else think it was some sort of trick mm, at first? Test, yeah, I yeah, thought it was. To test as well. if she was dedicated enough mm, or something. That's what I thought. She looked so depressed when she took off the helmet, though. Mm. I think she's just kind of she's yeah. over trying to rule her, an area herself. Uh, she's tried multiple times. I think she was think just happy to be accepted into just, a clan. She's just lost as a person. So like she's she'll she, be happy to be accepted yeah. into this clan. And now when yeah. she's done that, maybe now it's given and she was a bit more smiling when she was walking mm. out after 
because she has a maybe a purpose now. And even and like maybe her being asked to take off her helmet was like, oh my god, am I being am I going to be forced out of this mm. thing where I finally found a family? Yeah, literally. And also, um, do you know what exactly the armor meant by between the two worlds? Like, did she just <laughs> yeah. mean one in the cult and one like not pretty in much? The cult? Well, pretty she's much. been in Death Watch. She's been in yeah. now Children of the Watch. She's been yeah. with okay. um, what's it called? What's the um, what's her other clan? No, the Night Owls. Night Owls. So she's yeah. been in three different ones: an offshoot of the Death Watch, now Children of the Watch. She's been in like everything. Yeah. Yeah, so I thought that's what she meant, but I wasn't sure if there was something else there. It was... I thought it was supposed to be the end of the episode after that. Music was kind of leading to that. But then we get a very, very slow fade-in shot to a ver- uh, an adrift X-Wing, uh, Tavers X-Wing. And he comes across a New Republic transport shuttle, which is a Imperial shuttle. And it's been destroyed. They check some logs. He checks some logs with someone back on Coruscant. And it was Moff Gideon's transport ship to his trial. He's Jack's absolutely celebrating over to my left, um, basically suggesting that Gideon did not make it to trial and he was captured. But there is remnants of Beskar, Ooh. and we're going to talk about this right now. We kind of have a couple of different theories about who we think could have been behind this. Uh, I think it could maybe be Sabine Wren, which would be cool to see her. I mean, we know she's coming in Ahsoka, but um, having her involved in this story. And I think that it could be in relation to the fact that Moff Gideon might have connections to Thrawn. And so Sabine is basically um, taking Moff Gideon to try and get answers. But I feel like with the way it's been framed in the show, it's more like Moff Gideon was... He had it planned. The escape was planned. Um, not necessarily that it was someone trying to capture him and take him for his own. Mm. So I don't think Sabine's probably the likely outcome. I know that there was an idea floated of Imperial Super Commandos, but again, I don't, I don't know if that's probably the direction they're going to go. I reckon, um, the most obvious or like the, the way that I think is going to happen, which is not my personal favorite way it's going to happen, but I reckon it's the most obvious is, um, that... Thrawn is behind the extraction yeah, of Moth. I reckon so. Be- no, I, I like that bit. I like that part. I do like Thrawn being like showing that hierarchy of power kind of thing. But I think because it would have been Thrawn doing that because Moth has so much information on every, like a lot of things. And if they've gone yeah. to the hands of the New Republic, it might be more threatening to their overall thing. But I think they definitely planted that Beskar oh, yes. to, to throw the attention away from this new empire esque vibe yes. and giving and making the New Republic kind of turn on the Mandalorians because since the Mandalorians are still not overly accepted in everyone's regions you know so they can easily be targeted so I think it'll be that one which I don't really want the final bit to be but it could also just be some weird ass Mandalorians who agree with Moff Gideon's point of view and who thought he's a new ruler of Mandalore because he had the Darksaber which also could be a, one of the theories what i reckon personally is that well i mean mm. your your throne one i didn't even think of it. it actually does make quite a bit of sense but what i originally was thinking was that say like some some people probably some mandalorians uh broke in and i don't know why they would um free him so maybe i was thinking that they wanted to capture him for their own reasons i'm not sure why that would be well because the dark saber still in the dark saber it could be that but wouldn't they have known that Din got it off him? Not no. necessarily. It's not really a public knowledge of Din having it apart from yeah. when he used it against those bounty, the bounty pig dude. I mean, the, 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 the man of Boba Fett. Yeah, the well, Mandalorians then, did know that um, 
Sorry to interrupt. The Mandalorians did know that um, Bo- uh, that Moff Gideon did have the dark saber because yeah, so Bo-Katan mentioned it in was. season two. Maybe they just captured him thinking he had it and they yeah. wanted it back because they think he didn't deserve it. I was just looking because I feel like Thrawn is probably going to be the most likely outcome in this series. There's no official count for the episode, like the amount of episodes in Ahsoka, but there's no way they're doing six to eight. They've got to do more. Nah, With the story they're telling... They've got to be long episodes then, because they, yeah. they've got to if unless they're setting it all up in the final three episodes of this series, they've got to cover what happens to Thrawn and Ezra. They're going to have a flashback scene of what actually happened after the whales took them away, and then they've got to figure out where they went, who they aligned themselves with, what they did to survive. Did were they friends? Like here's my theory: if it's going to go down like that, they already apparently said it's going to be a limited series, so yeah, one which season. Is a shame. No, but hear me out. Hear me out. Show. Ahsoka. Ahsoka. But yeah. hear me out. If it is six to eight or even ten, let's just say it's ten mm. max, right? They're probably going to do a, a spin-off series with the Rebels and do all that kind of stuff when I they hope so. when they do. So like instead of announce because if they announce a Rebels live action continuation, people will be like, well, what's the point of Ahsoka? Or like, mm. oh, so that means they're not showing up. So I reckon it's going to be after, and it probably will fill in the gaps, like I hope of so. everyone else but Ahsoka. Like mm. Ahsoka is going to be more filling in her gaps between those kind of stories. So that's mm. what I reckon is going to happen. I think Ahsoka... I know we're kind of getting off track from the Mandalorian here, but I think Ahsoka honestly has the biggest potential to be, like, the biggest series ever. Because we already know that the first half of the season is covering pre-Empire, and the second half of the season is covering uh, post-Empire. So we're going to get a lot lot of cameos, a lot of focus on the Rebels. Yeah, we're probably going to get Anakin and probably Obi-Wan. We're probably going to get... Young Ahsoka. Yeah, I'm probably even going to get the the malice, not the malice death, the daughter and the, maybe the, the son. son. Mm, the the daughter's true. got a big connection to Ahsoka. Mm. I just think with the story, I know we probably, the story they're going to tell is probably straightforward. We got hints of it in season two, but I feel like this really could be the show that brings Star Wars together and leads towards the ultimate big event that happens. This is why I said it was my most anticipated for yeah. this year, not Mando, and I said Mando could have been the most disappointing, and so far is proving to be, from my well, opinion. Well, yeah, but yeah. Out of all the other Mando seasons, it's definitely the weakest so far, yeah. unless these three last episodes absolutely are bangers, mm. and like have big implications for the future, then I might change my mind, but we'll wait and see. So that kind of covers everything. I thought that, if you haven't checked out our Instagram... Uh, we get kind of gave brief summaries and scores of what we thought of the episode. And we do that uh, each week. Yeah, and we do that each week. Uh, we I really loved this episode. I think it was exactly what we needed. Like It was almost like a stimulant to get us prepared for the final three yeah, episodes. Yeah, almost. Uh, probably after that, because we do the review straight after the episode, after watching it a second time, I probably got a lower mind to an eight instead of a nine and a half. So that's, that's all I'm saying, yeah. I feel like most of you, a lot of your score was carried... By, by the, the final scene. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. your review of 9.5 seemed a bit too high for what you'd been saying to us. True, but that 9.5 is because I'm finally interested in what's the future to come. Yes. And I'm, yes. for the past episodes of Mandalorian, I have not been as keen each week to watch it, apart from this one now. After this one, I'm really, really excited. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So Unless it's going to be focused about some certain character. From an episode standpoint, we say the Pirates, that's why I was thinking it was too high for you, but you're kind of more talking about your expectations to come with yeah. that high rating. Just before we finish, I want to pose a question I said right at the start of the episode. The title of the episode is The Pirate. 
Who do you reckon that is referring to? Well, there's usually two when when mm. the title. So obviously the first one's just the actual pirate. Yeah, Gorian Shard. Yeah, and then Cooper's theory. Well, I think this season's focused a lot on Bo-Katan. I feel like Bo-Katan is the pirate in a sense, basically for her setup. She's been tasked to go assemble a crew. She doesn't really have any allegiances. She's bouncing around the galaxy like pirates playing bounce around the sides. sea. She's playing two sides. She knows secrets of uh, everything, myths and legends of the Mythosaur. And I think, I think that this really, this is the pirate is Bo-Katan in the series. But most of the most of the titles have referred to her. I mean, we look at a couple of weeks ago with the convert. We had um, the apostate in the first one. They all refer to Bo-Katan. This is her season. And I, I love that. And I know you guys... I mean, I know Jack's not a fan, but I think it's great that we're getting some development. But also, is this a worry for her future? Because she... I don't know what her intentions are, but why are they putting so much focus on her if she's probably not going to appear in Ahsoka? I reckon, that's not, I reckon she actually might end up appearing in Ahsoka since they kind of had a buddy-buddy relationship by the end of and the also, yeah. Clone Wars season. You guys have been saying you think Sabine might come into it. Didn't Sabine and Bo-Katan, weren't they with each other mm-hmm. quite a bit in Rebels? That's, yeah, the wasn't it the ending or something where Sabine right. gave it to... Yeah, at the we, season uh, four. For, yeah. Season four when they try to, when they go to back to Mandalorian. Wait, did I go to Mandalorian? No, it's a Mandalorian... Yeah. Um, Covert thing. It's a hideout somewhere. I can't remember what planet it's on. But, uh, yeah, so maybe those two will appear together. Maybe that's why they're making a lot of focus on Bo-Katan. And since yeah. you guys especially have these theories that the Rebels, and they probably will be, a big part of Ahsoka and all yeah. the other upcoming stuff, projects, then it's quite possible that they're building her up for a new encounter with Sabine. Yeah, yeah. well, it's also funny how everyone in Season 2 thought that the, wrestling, the wrestler actor was going to oh, be Sabine with with um, Bo-Katan. Everyone was theorising so much that it was her. It probably would have made sense, but yeah, now nah, not. Yeah, I'm so excited to see Ahsoka. Mm, I know it comes out like late next... Oh, no. no it's soon, it's soon. July. It's like June, July, yeah. I'm so excited to see it. I cannot wait. And it's such a shame. We're only like three months from release and we still haven't seen a trailer. Apparently, it's coming out uh, tomorrow. Monday, which Monday is... Monday week or tomorrow? Uh, whenever this is out, I'm not sure if it'll be out by then or not the trailer might be out it might be out but either way it is coming out in the next week or so so yeah it'll be interesting actually there's a lot of a lot of projects we haven't seen trailers for um still haven't heard anything about skeleton crew um nothing about visions Mm. which is releasing in may so next uh yeah next month interesting but uh that that does it for the episode thanks for listening We'll be back next week with episode six. Hopefully, it's a good one. Uh, we know the director and the runtime, which both is exciting. Um, what else should I? What else do I need to add? Oh yeah, so we've got a plan for our content coming after the Mandalorian season. We're going to do a bad batch review, and then we're kind of get going to get into more opinion based things because that's what we really like. And we'll do a stretch of opinion based podcasts before we get to. Ahsoka when we'll do the breakdowns and reactions so that's kind of our plan going forward we've still got content coming out on Patreon so go check that out if uh, that's something that you'd be interested in but that'll do it for us so thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week thank you bye bye